Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by one of the men of Moses Lake Baptist Church. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Um, we're going to read in Genesis 37 and verse 1. It says, starting in verse number 1, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lads was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilphah his father's wives. And Joseph brought into his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all, all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Genesis 37, it deals with Jacob's favor of his, his younger son, Joseph. And see, Joseph's brothers, they didn't really, they didn't really like that. They, they saw that their dad was giving all his love and all his uh, favoritism towards Joseph. And that caused a kind of a, a rage inside of them, uh, an envy, because they wanted that, what Joseph was having. And may, maybe when they woke up, they didn't wake up and be like, yeah, because we're going to sell him into slavery, we're going to throw him in a pit, we're going to do all this stuff. You know, maybe they, maybe they didn't think they were, that was ever going to happen. You know, but the sin in their head in their life, it just, you know, one small sin after another, one after another, and it led up to that. And that's the thing about this kind of envy that we have here in our lives, and, that, and you can see in their, in their lives is that it starts out small, but if you don't give it to God and let him take care of it, it can turn into something you can never take back. Because we're not above anything because we're sinners. So we have to just, when we, have to, when we have that kind of spirit in us, we just have to give it back to God and he can help us. And how often do we look at others and just wish that we could have what they have? Honestly, I mean, I, know, I remember growing up, uh, you know, I saw a kid at school had some new, a new phone or a new whatever, and I'm like, I, could, I would be happy if I had that. You know, I, could be, I would just be cool if I had the next new thing. But uh, no, that, that's not really how it works. You see, Joseph's brothers, they had just that attitude. If I, could have that, if I could have the love of my father just like Joseph did, well, maybe if Joseph's brothers would have just acted like a good, a good child and respected their dad, maybe they could have gotten that. But when they, made in, they, when they made that decision in their life, in their heart, to betray their own brother, it was too late. See that when when we live in sin and that have kind of, that kind of attitude of like, you know, I, I want that and I'm not gonna be happy till I get it. It clouds your judgment. That's why the Bible says, lean on not not on your own understanding. And you no, know, we look at someone whether that be their talents or some earthly possessions, you fill in the blank. It's called envy, and it's exactly what they had in their life. And see, we as Christians will find ourselves and a trap of discontentment if we are filled with envy. There's a, there's a fable of, this, of these two eagles, <clears throat> and uh, 
one eagle was jealous of the other because he could fly better than him. You know, if I, only if I could fly better than that eagle, he said, you know, I would be happy. And he saw a sportsman and he, and he told him, he said, um, I want to fly, I want you to kill that eagle because I can fly higher than them. And, uh, and the hunter was like, okay, sure, I could do that for you, but in order for me to shoot him with my arrow, I need some feathers. And the rival eagle's like, okay, no big deal. Takes a few feathers off, gives them to the hunter, puts it on his arrow. He pulls a shot, not enough arrows, or not enough feathers for his arrow to, to hit the eagle because it keeps flying higher. And the hunter said, well, I could try again. I'm gonna need some more feathers. And you know, the, the rival eagle, you know, the jealous one, he was like, fine, I'll give you some more. Not a problem. So the hunter does it again and misses. Eventually, the, uh, the jealous eagle, the one filled with envy that says, I want to fly higher than that one. Eventually, he had no feathers left. <laughs> uh, you know, he was, he was so consumed with trying to take down the other eagle that he was out. And, event, and then in, in this fable, because of that, the hunter took advantage of the weak eagle and shot him instead. And like, it sounds like a silly story, but so many times we as Christians, we can have that same kind of attitude. And it's a sad attitude to have. You know, if I could, if I could, uh, if I could have that walk that he had, if I could just have the family that he has or they have. But in the Bible it says, don't compare yourselves to one another. And especially, why, why would we as Christians want to be jealous of other Christians. We're supposed to be on the same team. So it doesn't, sometimes it just seems silly that when, when uh, we're fighting against each other, you just think about that and how the world sees that. Because if a lost person comes in from Moses Lake community and sees uh, for Moses Lake Baptist Church at odds, what are they gonna think? That there's nothing special going on here. So anything we do can hinder not only our relationship with God, but the opportunity for others to have a relationship with Him. And I want you to notice with me from Genesis 37, three critical aspects of being filled with envy. First of all, you can see a corrupted attitude. And to see the brother's hatred was foolish. If you look at me in verse number four, it says, And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. You see, Joseph was blood to the... This, this, Joseph wasn't just some random person that these guys didn't know. Like, this was, this was their brother. This is their blood. Yet their hatred and their, their discontentment towards Joseph, it clouded all that. It didn't really matter to them anymore. And so the same thing can happen to us. We can fall in that same kind of trap. There's been people in church who you see them, they love each other, and then something goes wrong, and now they're not talking anymore. It's because anger is toxic. It makes you do things that you don't think you could ever do. And like I said before, did you really, I don't know if they really thought one day they were going to they were gonna have this big old plan and try to kill Joseph and not, then not kill him and then throw him in a pit, sell him to slavery. I don't think they thought that was ever gonna happen. But they, they, they were filled with such anger and hate towards their brother that that ended up happening. 
and they got they, they let their emotions get the best of them. See, my my president at college, Pastor Chapel, he always says, we should always move from truth to emotion. From God's word, His truth to emotion, because when we move from emotion to truth, we're not filtering our decisions through God's word. And it says in 1 John 2, 11, but he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness has blinded his eyes. And I'm not trying to step on any toes here tonight, but it clearly says from God's word, not from me, but if you, do, if you hate your brother, it means you're literally in darkness. If I, just to put it this way, if I were to cover my eyes and walk around this whole auditorium, I don't know how successful I would be. I don't want to try either, so don't tell me, don't tell me to try. <laughs> but it says here, if, you, if you're living this way, that you don't know where you're going. You're not on the right path. And that darkness that says it blinded your eyes, has blinded your eyes. And just to put it simply, if we don't confess that hate that we have towards someone to God, then we're not on the right path and we're just wandering about blindfolded, not, not seeking God's, God's face. And Charles Burton said this, if you find every, any evidence of envy in your life, confess the comparison mindset. Recognize that you're focusing on what God is doing in other people's lives rather than in your, than in your own. Thank him for how he is blessing other, pe- other people and ask him to place love in your heart for that individual. Then refocus your attention on what the Father is doing. Finally, memorize and meditate on verses. This is what Pastor was saying just a few minutes ago. Some, we, look, we can look at other churches or other people. And they might be more successful. We can say praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord that there's, there's other churches doing what we're doing and they're still preaching the gospel and they're still reaching out to the community. But when, then, we, then we, when we get off of that, when we get off of that, you know, praise the Lord for that, the, the Lord doing things in their life, that's when the Lord stops doing things in our life because we're too worried about other people and not, con- not concerned with our own selves. And honestly, if you're, if you're burdened with this envy and this kind of spirit towards people, then you're really, you're really missing out on God's best. Don't wait to deal with it. It will fester and grow if left unattended, just like it did to Joseph's brothers. The one who created you and designed you, he has a plan for your life, whether that, just, whether that be secular work, being a faithful church member, being a husband, a dad, a father, and anything like that. Well, whatever he has for you, Stay faithful in it. And you'll be able to conquer the envy in your heart if you just simply give it over to him. Because what happens when we try to deal with sin on our own? It doesn't work out that well, does it? It's such a simple concept to understand, but sometimes we, me included, try to focus on it too much when a little, I say wasted energy. God's word is pretty clear when it says we should, that we should, we should abstain from anger. And how do we deal with anger? I think we can deal with anger on our life if we just simply love others. It says in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. 
as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you, love, if you have loved one to another. The type, of, the type of love in this verse is phileo love, which is a brotherly love. So what it's saying is that even when, even when we're outside this church building, we're around the community, people are going to know that we're God's disciples if, we just, if we're showing love to one another and love to other people. Because if we're honest with ourselves, if we're out in the world, people don't show a lot of love to each other. I know when I'm in, I was over there in Virginia, and uh, people were just really short with you. So I went to the Taco Bell drive-thru with the pastor, and I, and I roll up to the window, and this guy's like, what do you want? I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, not, I'm out of here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I want my Taco Bell people showing me love, so, you know. But, they, right, Mom? <laughs> but honestly, if someone, like I said before, if someone comes and visits this church, you could ask people around here, Leo, what, what stood out to you when you visited this church? Oh, when I came in this building, I could see that they actually loved me. And people actually loved each other here. I know for me personally, coming to a place where people loved you no matter where you came from or what, what background you had. And that's all the glory of God. Secondly, in this passage, I can see that there's a covering of sins from the brothers. And the fact is that Jesus always knows. Would you look at me in verse number 18? I'm going to need some help reading these verses. If you bear with me, my voice is kind of fading. I'll read the evens, and if you would, read along with me in the odds, starting in verse 18. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they, come now therefore and let us slay him, and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast had devoured him, and we shall see what, be, what will become of his dreams. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that ye might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, there was no water in it. Skipping down to verse number 30, it says, And he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? Verse 31. Finally, verse 32, it says, And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father, and said, This have we found, know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And it says there that his father knew it. And said, it is my son's coat, and the evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. The thing I, I see in this passage right here that we just read is that Joseph's brothers think that they're so clever. You know, maybe they were clever. They were able to fool Jacob. They, they, you know, they, they had to kill a goat, dip his jacket in blood, and they brought it to their father, and they're like, 
look what happened to your son. Is this his coat or not? And you can imagine the emotion blowing up in Jacob. Was, yeah, that's, his, that's my son's coat. They were able to fool him, but the person they were able to fool was God. Because the minute they even devised the plan, whether it was on the spot or they were planning it, whether they, they made that rash decision, that rash decision, God already knew what they did. And it may have taken nine chapters for Jacob to finally know the truth about Joseph and that he actually wasn't dead, but God knew right when it happened. And it says in Proverbs 15:3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place. And Charles Spurgeon said this, sometimes we get stuck in this mindset. If I had a little more, I would be very satisfied. You make a mistake when you say that or you think that. If you're not content with what you have, you would not be satisfied if it were doubled. You think about it. You know, I'm a college student and you know, my situation with finances or whatever, friendships, if I wasn't thankful for what God has already given me now, why would I be thankful for double that? It just doesn't, it may not make any, it may not seem like a silly statement, but think about it. If I wasn't thankful for the money I have now and what God's provided for me and, and haven't taken care of that, you know, why, then why would God want to bless you with more if I wasn't faithful in those little things? See, the, and the Joseph brothers thought they were alone, but they weren't because they had God watching over them. And the idea that you are alone when you make certain decisions is a lie from Satan. Because Satan himself wants to destroy you. It says in Luke 21, 31, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan had desired to have you and that he may sift you as wheat. You can fill in the blank there with your own name. Carlos, Carlos, Danny, Danny, Leo, Leo, behold, Satan had desired to have you. Fill in the blank with your name there, and that's what he wants to do to you and me. Instead of trying to cover up our secret sins, we should be confessing our sins because in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We heard that verse so many times, but I like, I like this verse a lot for one reason. It was the very first verse that Robert had me memorize as a teenager. And sometimes we just think about it as some kind of lucky rabbit's foot. Like I can, I can hold on to this, I can live the way I want, and I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll just quote John 1, 9, and I'll be good. No, that's not how it works. But this verse is in here for a reason. Because he truly, God truly does want us to come to him and confess our sins. If we do it with the right heart and the right attitude, that's what makes the difference. You know, I, if I did this, if I, if I had a brother when I was growing up, I didn't have any brothers, but if I was smack my brother in the face, I'm, I'm sorry, Lord, yeah, yeah, you didn't, you know, I really, I hit him in the face, but, yeah, no. If he had like a, if I were to have a true and a genuine confession, repentance, because a lot of, time, a lot of the times, we, we, don't really, we don't desire to do bad, right? But when we take the, bad, take the bad out of our life, sometimes we forget to fill the good in. Whether that be some kind of sin problem we're struggling with, it's good to take it out, but then we need to fill it in with God's word in relationship with God's people and so forth.
It says in the Bible that if we cover up our sins, we cannot prosper. And I don't know about you, but I would, love to, I would like to live a prosperous life. It says here in Proverbs 28, 13, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So either you're not having mercy and you're not prospering, and you're, you're not prospering, or either you can have mercy and prosper. You take the pick. I would, I would much rather have mercy and a prosperous life, but I can't have that if I'm living a life in secret. Because God already knows what you're doing, but he wants you to come to him and confess those. And I pray that if anyone in here tonight needs to get something right, that I want all of us to live a prosperous life and have mercy. In Psalm 35 and 32.5 it says, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, in mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. It's just awesome to me that no matter how many times I fall up or how many times I come up short, the God's there with open arms willing to forgive me. And a lot of times it's not, it's not so hard for God to forgive us, but for us to forgive ourselves. God doesn't want you to keep thinking about the past and all the things you did wrong because he says he's already forgotten about those. But it doesn't, it doesn't help us when we just hang on to those things and let it fester in our life like, if only I didn't do this. If only I didn't do this. And if you live that life, if you live that, that mindset long enough, it's going to be too late for you to do anything more. I told the, like I told the kids over there when I taught them, Satan's gonna play in your mind as a young person that you can always serve God tomorrow. You can always do things for him tomorrow and next week and next month. And that's gonna turn into years and years and years and you're gonna be, you're gonna be older and you're gonna wonder where the time went. And that can happen to us too. Say if, if, I, was, if I wanted to take a little break from college and all, yeah, it's been so hard, you know, or what if I had that kind of mindset. God has me there for a reason. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for four years straight out of high school because God called me there and I know he'll take care of me there. And thirdly, I can see here a catastrophic outcome. And the outcome was Joseph's brothers really hurt their father. I mean, they really did it bad. In verse 35, if you look at me, it says, and all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, for I will go down into the grave unto, unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. I mean, Jacob was so hurt that his children kind of come up to him and, you know, fake being sad or whatever to comfort his, their father. He said, no. He resisted his own children's comfort because the devastating news that he found out that his brothers tricked him into believing it wrecked him he said i want to go into my unto my son's more my 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 son's grave mourning and he was weeping joseph's father was so hurt and um, yes and jacob was so hurt and he's his earthly father. 
And that's his children that did that to him. And he was torn. But we as a child of God, how do you think our God feels when we treat him the same way? You just think about Jacob's mindset here. He's like, even though he doesn't know that they're lying yet, he's done so much for them. He's He's taught them things, took care of them. He's trying to teach them how to live life and what they should do. And yet they did something like that to him. See, God left his word here for us to, to read, to get to know more about him, to learn how to live this life. And when we go against it, I believe it does hurt him. And sin, sin hinders our relationship with God. It says in James 4, 6, but he giveth more grace Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. That word resisteth in the Greek is antitasso, which means to range in battle against or to oppose oneself. See, Joseph's brothers, they, they got to the point where they were so filled with pride and envy and anger and all these different things that it was too late. And I know that when we live a life of pride, it literally says that God resisteth the proud. It doesn't, and that means literally, if I'm living a prideful life, I'm being resisted. And that just, it's a very sobering thought that if you really think about it, would you want the God of this world, of the universe, to resist you? And it's just simple to get rid of that, all we need to do is humble ourselves. We don't have to be stuck in a state of pridefulness, just as Joseph's brothers were. In Matthew 23, 12, it says, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. We don't have to live this life to develop some kind of title or have some kind of fame, but if we just if we just humble ourselves, it says that we will be exalted. I want to be exalted in the Father's eyes, not the world's. Because what the world has to offer is very temporary. And what God has to offer is eternal. And, if, and in Psalm 51, 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So how do we deal with pride and anger and hate and all this stuff? It just simply asked God to help us. It says, right, the psalmist was crying out to God. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. The psalmist knew that he could not fix that spirit within him without God's help. And we're no different from him. We need God's help in every step of our life. We're not able to fix our own problems. Going back to the second point where I talked about Satan and how he, he wants to destroy you. Some, it just, uh, sometimes people say, well, you know what? If Satan's bothering you, you know what? Just give him a little punch. Punch you know, him in the nose? Yeah, punch him in the nose. Well, you know what, Brother Leo? You're really strong, but even, I don't even think you could take him in one-on-one. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. My iPad fell. Sorry about that. <laughs> but honestly, if we were to think about it, and people say, you know what, just give the devil a little slap. 
but humanly in and out of ourselves, we don't have no, we have no strength, we have no power to ever even face the devil at all. If we try to face the devil on our own, if we, if we try to fight the sin on our own, what happens? We're gonna get knocked off our feet. But the awesome thing is, is that we have a God who already, who already won the battle. So if we just lean on him and trust in him, we don't have to fight the devil on our own. There's a this background of this hymn I think most of you are familiar with. The author lost much of his fortune in the Chicago fire. And after that, he sent his family on a vacation, but because of pressing business matters, he couldn't make it. And the accident on the ship, there was his four daughters lost their life, their lives, and only his wife survived. And even through all that, he had the peace in, in the state of mind he was in to pen these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That is very powerful. How could a man who just lost four of his daughters on a, on a, on a, on a, on a crazy accident be able to write those words? It's because he knew it's because he had his trust in someone that was bigger than that. He had his faith in someone who was bigger than that. And he was able to pen the lyrics to that amazing hymn because he had a strong foundation in his God. And that same God is our God. The God of Joseph, the one who delivered him out of prison, all these, all these stories you read in the Bible, all these different accounts. It's the same God we have. And so, so many times you try to put God in this box. You know, I'll just go in there when I need him, or I need, when, I'm, when, I need, when I'm in some trouble. But the truth is, God wants you to be, God wants you to have full access to him. When in the bad times, in the valleys, and in the mountaintops, in this passage, we were able to see three critical aspects of being filled with envy. First, we were able to see that when we have this spirit of envy in our life, we have a corrupt attitude. And secondly, we were able to see that being filled with envy was the act of them covering their sins and clouded their judgment. And thirdly, we were able to see a catastrophic outcome, the hurt so badly of a father who just wanted to love his child. And we have a choice here this evening. Will we in this room become caught in the trap of discontentment? Or will we be grateful for the things God has given us and be thankful for the things that God has given other people? Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit Moses Lake Baptist Church